Mr. DeBello, good to see you, brother. Mr. Deemer, thanks for having me over. Let's do this. This is our first, um, uh, I guess, on camera sort of thing. We're two dudes, grab coffee together on a Saturday morning, talk about the daily news, washed up politicians, wannabe politicians that now just have a lot of opinions and have a lot of things to get off our chest about what's happening in the national and local news. And we're going to start off today, Mr. DeBello, with Turkey censoring uh, or Twitter censoring Turkey in their censorship actions uh, ahead of their local elections. You sent this over. It sounds pretty interesting. What, what's your thoughts? Uh, it was like they, they, Turkey had demanded of Twitter that they censor four accounts, and I think it was like 400-plus tweets or messages, whatever you would call it. They, they have done this with the other companies as well, right? Facebook, um, TikTok, Google, I think Google, YouTube, and stuff. And those companies complied. Well, Twitter, because Elon Musk, you know, came in championing, championing, championing the I'm the free speech, you know, uh, God or whatever. You know, I will not. You know, we do right. not censor. This is going to be the town hall of the earth. You know, right. Um, so he took a lot of blowback because they did censor this right before their election, right before the Turkish election. Right. And so Twitter put out a statement explaining, you know, hey, this is a court legal thing, you know, and we don't want to comply. We're challenging it, but this is the way this country works. These other companies are all abiding. They're not stuck up in court, you know, so we challenge it. We disagree with it, but legally for their country, you know, we, as best I can understand it, you know, they have to comply. So he took a, took a lot of shit. Uh, but they did, Twitter did kind of try and explain itself and how it's trying to walk that line, which is, as we've talked about, it's a really hard line to walk. Right. Um, but they, they censored the accounts. They are challenging it, I, I guess, on the back end on court in, in court in Turkey. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Rumble in France, right? I was just seeing a story about that. Uh, Rumble in France just said, we're not operating here anymore because... There's two, they were demanding too much censorship of them. Right. So they said, well, this is our, literally our business model. We're not going to comply. So we're just, we're done here. Well, so Elon, Elon tweeted this, and this is what you're referring to. By free speech, I simply mean what matches with the law. I'm against censorship that goes beyond the law. If people want less speech, they'll ask government to pass laws that affect, to that effect. Therefore, going beyond the law is, a, is contrary to the will of the people. I think, and I, I agree with this, actually. I, I agree with this. So when he's saying free speech, everybody in America was like, oh, yes, um, uh, First Amendment, you know, free speech. But other places in the world don't have our First Amendment. Nor should we um, impose our ideas of what free speech, free religion, free, uh, you know, Second Amendment rights, whatever, our, our, bill of, our bill of rights, our Constitution on other people. And I think this is when we have problems when it comes to and I think that it, I think that when we talk about this as Americans, we are very easy to put our morality into other other places, and that's what happens when we go and say, "Hey, let's go democratize a place." We go, "Oh, they need to be a democracy because that's the best way for everybody because we're a democracy. We're the greatest country on earth. Therefore, every other place has to be a democracy." And next, you know, there's a phone call to the United States military. They go in there, they topple a government, and woohoo, freedom! Thank you for delivering freedom, America, in the form of hundreds of thousands of bombs. Um, 
But the same thing is with, with speech, the same thing is with, with religion and so on and so forth. To say that America, so this, which is something that America, America was created on because we fled a place that didn't allow you know, certain uh, you know, religions, speech, or, or trade, or entrepreneurship, and so on and so forth, uh, business practices, that's why this was created. And every pocket in the world has to have their own, I guess, uh, has to have their own revolution, if you will, when it comes to how do they want their country to be ran and how, what freedoms and rights do they want to give up or, or do they want to be allotted. And I really want to juxtapose this with, with China. China, a lot of people are saying like China, you know, communist, you know, uh, all, all the other things. First of all, we you, shouldn't be... You lived there for how many years? Uh, 15 Okay. Well, 13 in China, two years in, in Taiwan. Okay. Which are two different places, um, and uh, and so is Hong Kong. But you know, uh, we can get into that. Uh, <laughs> I won't. I won't get too deep into that. But um, actually, Hong Kong is is very questionable because of the way that was set up. So Hong Kong, China, Taiwan, I feel is uh, completely different. But um, China has all never been a democracy, never. It's never been a democracy. It's always been ruled by some kind of king, emperor, um, dynasty sort of thing, and we say, China, you need to be a democracy. And we say, oh, that's bad. That's communist. That's one party, one, you know, whatever. That's China's, that's China's history. To be honest with you, a lot of people in China don't even know that a democracy would work with the Chinese people because that's not ingrained with their thousands of years of culture. So I, I think that when it comes to freedom of speech, or, or freedom of speech um, and freedoms of companies operating within parts of the world, I, I think that it's totally fair for them to have their own laws, the governments to impose those laws, and companies can either um, abide by those laws when it comes to free, uh, speech, advertisement, um, censorship, and so on and so forth, or leave the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, we shouldn't project, right? Like, I completely agree with you on that point. We shouldn't, we should not project our the way we we run our world. Whether it's democracy, you know, this or that. What's what's a felony? What's a misdemeanor? But but but. Our, our world is, our country is not the rest of the world or universe for that matter. Uh, but I do think when you talk about speech, the one place I'll disagree with you a little bit is speech is kind of innate to us as a species. So uh, where I have a problem with Turkey or China or the United States, right? We're, we were talking about why is Elon Musk even taking over Twitter? Because we were losing freedom of speech here and people were getting penalized for saying certain things. Uh, whether, whether it be about COVID or about your, your boss or your company or political leaders or whatever the case may be, too, there was starting to be too much ramifications in the United States for saying the wrong thing. And I think what makes human beings human beings, right, is that we're sitting here talking, communicating with our vocabulary as opposed to, you know, dogs barking at each other. So I think somebody in Turkey, somebody in China, just as a human, just a human right, they should be able to say what they want to say. Um, now, the business parts of it and the advertising and, and the politics of it, 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 it makes the in-power group, it makes the in-power group only want said what, what is in favor of them, not as what's going to question their power, maybe, maybe drive change or drive a revolution, right? right? So I'm not saying they have to go to democracy or do you know, the American way of everything in their countries, but I don't think that freedom of speech is an American thing or the first, you know, the first amendment in, of the United States Constitution is an American thing, but I don't think freedom of speech is an American thing. I think it's a human thing. So that's the one 
place out of district. I don't know how you enforce it all to let the out of well, power sure. say what they want all right, to say. Fine, fine. Things that are innate to humans. We eat, we breathe, we fuck, we uh, want to say things in our mind and explore th different ideas. Um, but when we're talking about freedom of speech, we're talking about <clears throat> laws of the land within governments. If we want to talk about innate human qualities, then I think we should have a, a conversation about innate human qualities. But we're, what we're talking about is a uh, company that was created, a, a company that is operating within a country with is operating within laws. And that's not talking about innate human qualities. No, no, no. And so it, we're almost like muddying the waters to say, hey, um, yeah, innately, we all like to eat steak. No, I, 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 I don't, don't know. And, but then it's like, oh, let's put the steak into India. I don't know. It's like, no, no, no. man. Like, <laughs> I, I don't mind that Twitter, because they have a court system, right? I worked in the courts for I don't mind that Twitter, you know, did their internal discussions, talked to their legal team, and said, okay, we, th right now, this is the way the law is. You know, we have to comply. This is our determination. We really, as a company, we've decided we have to. I don't mind that. I got no problem with that. I just wish in my idealistic world, right, sure. that the 409 messages and the four people could I, say what they want I 100% agree with okay. you. I, we're talking about two different things, and I don't want to muddy those waters. But what I will say, if we think that these are innate human rights, then I think they should be added to the, the human bill of rights. Like, for example, like uh, the way that people are, are, are treated within the world, you know, and there are some things that you shouldn't, that governments cannot infringe on because they're agreed on by multiple countries saying like, no, this is, these, uh, you know, uh, practices are wrong. Humans have an innate right to life, um, to food, to shelter. And, Liberty. And, and, and so on and so forth, or whatever the Human Bill of Rights says, and I should pull it up. But um, if they want to, if we want to put speech as a collective there, then, then I think we could. And mm -hmm. I, would, I would be for that. Um, and that's probably an American-centric, U.S.-centric idea as well. It's like speech, yes, you know. Um, so that I think it should be added. But again, since it is not, <laughs> uh, we should, yeah. you know, respect the people. People have to operate in the, <clears throat> the reality of the world as it is in these 200-plus different countries. Like I was saying, rumble with France as well. Like, you may not like it, but you got to make a decision appropriately for the times. And to be perfectly honest, man, we have a lot of things that we have to deal with deal with here. I mean, this is um, this is just the, the conversation that we always have here in America. It's like, why am I, am I worried about the Turkish government and their, their their censorship? I don't give a shit. I'm worried about our government and our censorship. Well, I think I think that's the <laughs> genesis. This this discussion is is Americans or you know Twitter Twitter trolls wherever they're located, Canada wherever, saying, oh. Elon Musk is being disingenuous well, about it. No, but they're, 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 exa they're exactly they're moving the goalposts depending on where, where location. If it is if, now, I want to see how uh, Elon Musk operates within the United States, within under our Constitution and what is deemed to be free speech. Yeah, and and he and and to that point, a lot of people are up in arms because he uh, hired like a CEO, the new CEO that's from the WDF and worked at NBC and and all this stuff. So <clears throat> WDF, uh, yeah. I think you're right. I think that. Turkey doesn't matter to me and you and our neighbors, right? But uh, the 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 love Turkey, great country. Lo yeah. I love Turkey. Sure, but 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 will this trickle into? Okay, <clears throat> this is, might be one of our other stories we're going to talk about today. You know, the team Biden, like in the Twitter files, you know, sending the new CEO and Musk 
hey, we want these 17 accounts suspended, like they were doing. That's what was happening. That is censorship. Yeah, that's censorship. And that's anti-American, anti In this country, you can't Amendment. do that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And that's what we should be fighting. Like Again, like I said, I don't care if the Chinese government takes down tweets. I don't care if the Vietnamese government takes down tweets. I don't care if uh, the Turkish government takes down tweets. I don't care if they write the CEO directly and say, hey, ban these accounts has nothing to do with me and the freedom of speeches that we need to focus on and protect here in America. I mean, we have people that are hiding outside the country because of, of they expose surveillance on American people, you know? Um, and and, and we, had, we have the Twitter files that allude to direct influence from high-ranking government officials to either slow down... Um, certain speech, stop speech, manipulate speech yep. in, in ways that influenced either elections or public opinion and so on and so forth here in this country. So right. I don't care. I don't care about Turkey. I care. <laughs> I, have, I care generally, Right. I care generally speaking, but we do live in the United... I, I think a good world is good for all of us, but it, we, like you're saying, hey, we have had the First Amendment here. It's a staple, and y'all were getting around it with the prior Twitter... With right. the prior Twitter regime, you were literally saying, fuck the First Amendment, you know, censor uh, Joe Blow for 2069, you know, because he's talking bad about Biden and vaccines or something like that. And that's what we cannot have here, we, you know, because then it will devolve, will devolve more and more quickly. So one thing I know that a, lot, a, a big question of this is since we don't know, and there's a lot of anonymous accounts, there's a lot of bots and so on and so forth, it's like, there is a, a line, like, how do you stop a disinformation campaign that is foreign-born? You know, for, for example, if we are vaccinated and we, if we believe in vaccines or we don't believe in vaccines, but to create a division within the country, especially with this vaccine uh, conversation, a disinformation campaign or an information campaign from another country, let's just call it Russia, spamming this information here um, could either be seen as, it, it's, a, it's a form of, it's a form of, um, you know, uh, foreign espionage, right? Well, you could argue that. Yeah, you, you certainly could argue that. So, so what my, my question is, is like banning those accounts or trying to find those accounts and banning them is different than banning an uh, individual that just wants to be anonymous, say Ross DeBello wants to be anonymous and say, you know. Fuck Trump. Exactly. And then I, or, or and I'm anti-vax. It doesn't matter, right? So they, and I'm well, American and I'm American, but my Twitter icon or my PFP is a, is a Russian flag or something. You know, so, how do you start ban banning? You and, know? Exactly. Exactly. And, and so I think that's the fine line people are talking about. It's like, it's like, okay, so what, do, what is the speech? But in there are foreign actors that are going to take a, advantage of our freedoms. And it's, it's well, a fine line. Well, but so getting back to the, to the, why I want Turkey and China to have free speech like I err on the side of, you know, I'm an ex-professional poker player. I called out bluffs for a living, right? So when I see a um, kind of a, a sentence put out by team Biden or, or team Trump or McDonald's, literally, if I see messaging, I'm picking it apart in my brain, right? Every, every part of the sentence, you know, at, at every fact I try and think, is this true? Is this not true? Right? So, cause I think that when you allow people you don't like to talk, it, it literally shows you who they are and what they're about. And some of them are going to be trying to deceive you. But <clears throat> you've said this on numerous occasions. Give the people the information. 100%. Yeah, give the people the information. But the information has to be from a... a, a has to be from a source of information. Again, if, you, if you're... Mm. It, 
if you're again, if you have a, a Russian um, campaign that just says, hey, let's divide America and put all kinds of racist BS into um, race baiting BS into uh, into Twitter to create a, a divisive conversation just to divide America on a certain to topic, that is not uh, the, the people uh, figuring it out. That is a mm. purposeful um, campaign to try to divide. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that, that purposeful campaign to divide where I would still say, give the people the information. You know, the United States has been doing these, these um, types of campaigns themselves in Venezuela and oh, whatever, yeah. whatever country, Cuba, sure. wherever country. We, we always trying to shift public opinion in these other countries. Right. We're always trying to shift public opinion, uh -huh. uh, you know, towards a favorable leader, toward us and our business interests, away from away from Castro, away from whatever uh, leader that we determine is bad for, you know, uh, no matter what the issue is. So um, we're not all sitting here trying to, to play high-level poker with every message and tweet that we see mm -hmm. uh, or headline or piece of news. But that's another thing, right? E even in America, it, forget about other countries, right? What you see on CNN, what you see on MSNBC, what you see on Fox, these are American campaigns to divide Americans. So... We, we're not, this is why we're doing this show, right? We're trying to get some real discussion about like what's news, how to look at the news, how to think about the news, you know, as opposed to all these bullshit campaigns to manipulate public opinion. So I don't think if I was running, you know, Fox or CNN or, um, you know, NPR or something, I try to be getting my people uh, deep looks on issues. They're not just two sides. Nothing's ever black or white. There's either multiple sides or just all gray, you know? So I do think that Russia or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever country wants to tear us apart, that is how you do it. You try and create a civil war. You try and split the people up 50-50. So it goes back to the ownership of Twitter. It's like, again, I believe in free speech for people within America that is protected under the constitution. But if we're if the Constitution and free speech is being used against us, and we're saying, well, we can't take down free speech, but we might have to take down that bot free speech. That's what I'm saying. It's like, where do we draw the draw the line? And just because Russia puts out a hundred thousand bots of a certain directed message, doesn't mean that we need to allow that on our platform for the American people. I don't. I, I think that there is a line there. I, I think we should. I actually think we should. Now, I think if it's um like a spam bot, like it's there's no. If, if you can somehow with our, where we're getting to in technology, if you can understand that this is computer generated, not like the guy we were saying, I'm just trying to stay anonymous and say what I want to say. But if it's a computer, computer generated spam bot, then I think for their business purposes, right? This is what Elon Musk was saying about, is your company really worth 44 billion? Or are a lot of your daily active users actually just robots? You know what I mean? Fake accounts. You know, they're not right, run right, by right, humans. Right, right. Well, I think they, they might have now a business interest, which might be the check and balance that we need on saying, hey, there is no human being with, whether it's an American social security number or however they do social security numbers in other countries with a date of birth, there is no human behind this tweet. But if it's Putin's right-hand man, and it's him, it's the human putting out, you know, um, hey, there's a... Uh, a racial racial issue in Oklahoma or something and trying to divide based on race or something, even if it's a human, I think you, people can see that that piece of spark, that wedge kind of uh, baiting type of messaging. And I think a lot of people actually kind of can see that for what it is. Now, some people can, and it'll trigger some people. 
but I think I would get rid of the computer generated bots. But I'm gonna let somebody from Canada like say, be on again. That, that's the, that's the thing is like you don't know how how to do that, and that's the whole yeah. issue with with Musk, and, and that's the whole thing issue with Twitter is like you don't know which ones are which, and right. because. Yeah, it might be a program to write a certain tweet or put it out there, but I mean, it's coming from different IP addresses, maybe even using VPNs to come from different countries. Maybe they're actually making PFPs that look like individuals and creating profiles or even just copying people's profiles and putting it out there. Look, the, the criminal is sure. always going to be... I get spammed in my DMs nonstop. It's going to be... It, the criminal is always going to be, or the person... There's always going to be somebody savvier than the laws of the governance because they're always trying to get around it. And that's the cat and mouse game that these play. Speaking of disinformation by the way <clears throat> um it's, it, again sometimes it comes from internal right so mm -hmm. we're, we're talking about john durham the uh special counsel for the united states uh, doj who has just uh, released the uh durham report um, about the trump um russia gate if you will and there's fi five uh, big findings that you you sent us to look at and discuss first of all john durham one thing really quick this guy's been around for quite some time he was um, appointed by Barr, who is uh, in, in Durham is a Republican, but he has had multi, multiple, multiple bipartisan collaborations throughout his career. And so uh, Democrats would hire him to do jobs to be unbiased. And so has Republicans. So um, I know one of before we get into this, I know one of the criticisms of him is he is a uh, Republican and he's a Republican hack. Right. I, I have not seen that in this, reading his Wikipedia and we, reading uh, about his career, that he is very partisan because I don't think he would be working with the Democrats the way he does if he was or been hired by them or appointed by them the way he was. So I, I, want, I want to take that criticism of being a Republican operative uh, with a grain of salt. But there's five things that they found was no proper bias or basis to launch a crossfire hurricane, meaning the FBI investigation into Trump-Russia connections. Uh, the second thing they found was there's a Hillary Clinton connection. Her campaign apparently was uh, very much involved with putting out certain narratives. Oh, yeah. um, the, uh, the disinformation, there's Russian disinformation, like, for example, the... Um, Trump peed on uh, people. The that, dossier. Uh, that was that dossier. was that was that was totally fabricated apparently by um, the Clinton campaign. Uh, there wasn't any collusion. Uh, that again seems to be fabricated, according to this report. Um, what, what what did you think of when you read read all of this? Yeah, I, I by the way, I did not read the whole report, but um, oh, I know, I don't, yeah, yeah, um, I read the whole report. Right, I read, exactly. read this article. That you said I, I already <laughs> with the Twitter files, and I think like um, um, uh, Zuckerberg when he went on Joe Rogan and things like that. Um, the New York Times, you know, we know that there's a lot of Trump is the worst of the worst Hitler-esque kind of uh, information campaigns out there. And it's almost like what happened here was Hillary taking everything, or arguably Hillary, I'm, I don't want to sit here and act like I know all the facts, but but the, the, the Clinton campaign, which we know went to pretty big depths to stop Bernie Sanders, right. they took what we just talked about in the first part of, part of this, uh, you know, Russia sent a hundred thousand fake account. They turned that on its head and said, Trump is working with Russia and doing this. You know, Russia is, is helping the Trump campaign and Trump's all for the Russian interference in our election. 
with, but there was no evidence to even start kind of the legitimacy of that. And so um, whether it's CNN, the New York Times, Facebook, or Twitter, um, campaigns are influence operations. And it's just, it's, it's so wrong. And, and it's so tough to put this bullshit in people's heads. You know, I, and I would argue, you know, at some point they're going to try and spark a civil war or something like this. Like that didn't happen. There's no... Okay, I'm sure a Russian person of Russian background, whether they're an Americanized person of Russian descent or a current Russian citizen, has been to Trump Tower, has met with one of the Trumps, including maybe Donald. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean they have an agreement to, you know, start spamming the country, you know, or be pro-Putin or all this stuff. And I think the, the Clintons really ran with um, this fear-mongering and this bullshit. And so I don't know enough about it, but uh, one of the uh, critic one of the comments that I've I've heard multiple occasions that we wouldn't be in this situation with uh, the with an idea toward Russia the way that we have now if it wasn't for this um, starting like the whole conversation of Russia Russia the boogeyman. I agree, I agree completely. That's a, that's the the military industrial complex and just. Um, you know, JFK, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Making up bad guys, right, and telling you that 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 one person or country is black and the other country uh, or person, president, is white, you know, Zelensky and Putin, uh, Kim Jong-il and, and Trump or whoever, or Obama, you know, whoever our president might be. There, again, everything is gray. Everything is more gray than that. I'm sure Russia's a bad actor on numerous things, right? I'm sure Russian, the top of the Russian power structure, Putin and their oligarchs, are doing a shitload of dirty shit. That being said, I'm also sure that that's what the Clintons do. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that our big weapons producers need a boogeyman. You know, they need a boogeyman. And this did snowball this whole wow russia when all of us know that that china is actually the the kind of the bigger force that that may become the world power down the road you know what i mean that really started to snowball hey russia is attacking us the attack isn't with bombs the attack isn't with bombs but it's with this psychological warfare you know what i mean i absolutely think that this is this is the biggest kind of seed in this animus mm-hmm. yes i mm-hmm. agree with that yeah, I hope that there's more. The the major news outlets are not really covering this. Um, it's not out there. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, this should be big news, and, and we're talking about Turkey and Twitter. And I guess this is why I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, pushing back against the, the freedom of speech in other countries. We have issues, and this is an issue. The Twitter files was an issue. Everybody wants to they say that the Twitter files was, you know... Um, a not big nothing burger. A nothing burger. It, 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 is, it is a big something burger. It shows that there is high-level individuals within, you know, corporations, within government that make sure that they're steering the narrative of the American people and not allowing the American people to express themselves, you know, in alignment with the Constitution. And this is creating a narrative as well from the insides. Now, I know campaigns can get dirty and, and so on and so forth, but I think this is something special when you have a campaign purposely creating lies about peeing Donald Trump get like they get peed on which we should have prostitutes by right? prostitutes yeah. um uh and they're saying that this was completely a hoax hoax and being 
and the top level was our governments, the Clinton campaign and the Obama, Obama apparently knew about this as well, organizing an effort against our democratic process and other political rivals like Bernie Sanders. And so right. I, I, think, I think that this is something that we really should be taking seriously. It's not being covered. Um, we have an issue when it comes to uh, who's greasing the palms of media and what gets airtime and, and, uh, and so on and so forth. So, oh, by your boy, your boy is uh, the uh, campaign manager for RFK. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really became uh, friends with, with Dennis on, the, on our campaign. So yeah, he he kind of is my boy. Uh, I really respect. You know. Did we get you get your boy on the show and talk, talk oh, to yeah. us? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, let's get let's get Dennis Dennis on the show to talk about the campaign with RFK next week. All right, all right. We'll, we'll see if we can. Well, I don't know up. about next. I, I mean, he they got to be very busy. They I mean, be. I assume he Dennis can carve off a half hour to talk talk about <laughs> why he joined, what he thinks the the future is, and so on and so forth. Um, I think that that's very interesting. I, what I really want to ask Dennis is <clears throat> the coordinated effort by the media and the Democratic Party to make sure that RFK doesn't really even get a voice in this race. Um, I, wanna, I want Dennis's op opinion because he joined RFK's um, campaign for a reason. Sure. Because he, Dennis is a long-term Democrat. Dem Den Dennis has been loved and hated by the Democratic Party multiple times. Um, he's definitely rode the waves of, of public opinion. And so but he made a choice to do this. And so oh, yeah. I really want to know like, what he's thinking. What yeah. do you think? I well, I, I think that um, the Democratic Party's off the rails. I don't identify myself with the Democratic Party anymore. I think that Dennis, I don't want to speak for them, but I think that Dennis and probably RFK, they're hanging on. They're, they're hanging on to this idea of the two-party system in America, and the Democrats are the party of my dad and uncle and the, the labor movement and, and, you know, and minorities and, and all this stuff. And... I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I've kind of given up hope on that concept, you know, so, but I think Dennis is a good lifelong Dem. I think the Kennedys are good lifelong Dems. So that they're, you know, that, but they've also been, they've also been uh, shuttered out or been made to think, right? These influence campaigns that they're both wackos. You know, I don't think at all they're both wackos. I know I campaigned with Dennis, not wacko at all. You know what I mean? But when the party structure moves from kind of mailings and precinct committee things and all this to now, now CNN works for the Democratic Party, you know, or MSNBC works for the Meet the Press. You know, that's why we need independent media. That's why we originally needed independent press. Because again, really what a debate is, is, hey, here's these seven candidates, right? Me and Dennis did it. Here's 15 debates. You can ask them whatever you want. Keep going. I'm just going to see if this camera's still running, honestly. Go ahead. Yeah, you can ask them whatever you want um, and let the voters decide. And what we have here is, eh, that guy's a wacko. That guy's a wacko, and, and you don't really need to hear from Joe Biden. You don't really need, you know, he, Joe's good for America. He's been, he's been fighting for the people of Scranton and Delaware and all this for 50 years. You, know, you get these narratives instead of what democracy and, um, you know, the original Democratic Party and even Republican Party was supposed to be about, arguing about where you stand on issues and letting the people decide. Right. You know, so CNN and MSNBC and all this, the, the, the media organizations that I would say are establishment, you know, party ops at this point, you know, they're not going to cover. Dennis, Dennis Kucinich got kicked out basically of his district 
you know, because incumbents basically always win. They change up his district around. Now you had incumbent versus incumbent, right. and Marcy right. Kaptur won. Right. So um, I think Dennis and RFK have, you know, like myself and, and I think you, kind of a streak of fuck that. This is, you know, like I'm, I stand for what's right, but they're not willing to let go of the whole like two-party system. We're fighting the Democrats. We know that the Democrat establishment is the empowered group at this point. But, but we're Democrats, you know, and that's where they're at with it. Me personally, eh, I don't so know. So one thing I, I really, really want to avoid with this uh, kind of conversation, not our conversation, but the conversation about the parties, is that when people say, I don't like to be Democrat or Republican, what, what, or they say that I don't trust both systems, usually means, not that I'm going to create a new system, not, usually means not that I'm going to go out there and fight for a third party, usually means not that they're going to go out and advocate just as strongly uh, for democracy in America, um, but outside of the Republican or Democrat Party, it means that they remove themselves from the system and the and the the and democracy itself. And I want and so I personally am in the camp of as of right now. How do I be part of the Democratic Party, but in the way that I want to be involved with it and and represent myself? truthfully, you know, and, and, and morally, but how I think, or, you know, right. we may stand with the Republicans on one issue to further the democratic party. Um, instead of removing myself from either party to say, Hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an independent or, you know, a forward party or whatever, because I, I think that again, I don't, I don't know because I feel that a lot of times that removal actually just makes you not have that power anymore or yeah. be part of the process. Go home and live your life and you yeah. can't, oh, you can't well, play. It's, it's all sucks, so we're yeah. just going to stay out of it. Or I join that one party that really isn't organized, that really isn't doing anything, that really isn't like have, have any, but all they do is they hurt one or the other party. And that's, that's sad and I understand it. And so I think that when it comes to RFK and Dennis, they're just trying to be part of the process, be part, part of the conversation and be part of a, the, the Democratic Party in the way they feel that they want to engage in the with the Democratic yeah. Party or be a Democrat that they feel that the, the be the Democrat they want to be, and that's why you have caucuses within you know Congress. You have the Blue Dog Democrats, you have the Progressive Democrats. These are all Democrats at the end of the day. However, when you're you know, however when you're campaigning the way that they are against the sitting president who is the head of the party, you are being shut out. Well, and, and obviously you're going to get all kinds of you know shit thrown at you. Well, I, I just think that Democratic Party is a misnomer. Democratic Party is a misnomer. That organization, in my opinion, is run by Wall Street, the military-industrial complex, big pharma, big billionaires. You know, uh, Soros. I mean, they both are. So right, they both are right. But the, right. but again, so you can't get support in the Democratic Party from their um, what would you call it? Their their trickle-down kind of uh, uh, organization, their pyramid scheme, if you will. You can't get support in that unless you take all these candidates' kind of nothing-burger statements and stances on policy. So, right, Nina Turner's not going to beat Chantel Brown. Dennis Kucinich is not going to beat Marcy Kaptur. But, let's, but Nina could be speaking out on maybe 25 policy positions for the people. Dennis could be speaking out on 25 policy positions for the people. And Marcy Kaptur... And Chantel Brown could be like like Sherrod Brown. I believe in the dignity of work. Okay, that's your campaign. Like that. Uh, uh, I'm. Uh, I support LGBTQ. Like 
okay, that's your campaign. Like what, where is the equity? How are we going to stop this kind of top-down economics that the Democratic Party now stands for? So it's hard to be that outsider that will not put those milk toast kind of vanilla virtue signaling statements out there as part of their campaign. And those are the campaigns that win. And I would even argue that about the progressives. Like I do like like Rokana or whatever. Uh, there are some, there are, uh, I think you can count them on one hand, people that are really kind of trying to attack the, the direction of the wealth divide in the Democratic Party. But 98% of them are responsible for the wealth divide. You know, so I don't know how Dennis and RFK get by the fact that those huge interests have are plugging all their money into these milk toast candidates, but they're trying. So I credit them that, right? Me and you ran as underdogs. Like that takes balls. Like that takes guts. You know, and so I really uh, I'm happy that they're doing it. I'm happy that the sitting president is getting challenged in a time where wealth inequality is, is getting very dangerous. I think everybody should get challenged in a, in a democracy. Obviously, uh, I'm, of two, I'm of two sides of that, one as a citizen and one as a candidate. You know, if you're a candidate, you're like, nobody come in this race, please make it easy. Can I, can I please get through the primary without a competition? If, shit, can we get through the general without competition? Right. Like, so as a candidate, you know you're, you're just hoping, like, nobody jump in this race. But just don't come in the race. I don't want to deal with the primary. Um, but as a, as, a, as a citizen of democracy, I want more people to jump in the race and I want people to get, to get platformed. And so there, and, and that, you know, I, I was really thinking about that, how conflicts of, of interest, um, really play a part into, you know, your decision-making. And I, and that was something I was very, like, very transparent about when I was running is, is like, I know it's a conflict of interest for me to be a candidate and also kind of like want the most robust democracy because I don't want people running against me. I don't want it, you know. <laughs> Dude, that's the that's the that that's the shedding ego part of it, right? Like we've talked about, like uh, Marcus Aurelius and some stuff, and it's just like, okay, no, wait. And I want the if I'm in this for the people, then I want the people to have their choice and their free will. I hope they pick me, but so many times candidates fall into the trap where them, their friends, their family, whoever's backing them, like tell them they're so, so, so super good and their their opponent is just way off base on this and that. And, and it, it's usually uh, a humongous exaggeration. That's usually a humongous I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the debt ceiling too, uh, just to continue my train of thought, <laughs> is that I, I, have, I have stocks, right? And I'm, I'm invested in the markets in general. Okay. And any negotiation that I want the debt ceiling to happen is I don't, or with the debt ceiling, I just say, let's do it. I don't want any default. I don't want anything to be moved forward. I just get it done. Make sure the markets are okay, because any negative negative effects of the markets it should have done happened yesterday. Because my because my 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 stock portfolio is just going crazy right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like there's a conflict of interest I was thinking about. You know, it's like it's like if I was in Congress right now, I would be pushing forward toward this debt ceiling because I, firstly, if I went to Congress, I'd I'll divest everything I have. And just take a salary. Good for you. Um, but you know, as well, you, I would think that's what we need to move toward. That, that's exactly what we should move toward. They should have no investments. I don't care if it's cryptocurrency or stocks. Everything should be divested. Um, because I just, I understand how I would be approaching this right now, looking at my stock portfolio, going like, hey, well, can we please hurry up and get this debt ceiling raised so we can have stability in the markets? Right. Right. And but we're not talking about the actual issues within that negotiation. I want that shit done because my stock portfolio is looking pretty pretty crappy right now. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that with um, 
it was um, Gates and AOC are supposedly going to introduce a bill Keep going. To, to ban uh, stock trading by members. And but then we talk about your your old opponent, um, Max, Max, Max Miller. And it's like, will he sign on? You know, this is obviously everybody wants this bipartisan, both both parties, voters, both all independents. Everybody wants this. But does Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein and all the Republicans, Max Miller, all that have a bunch of stocks, you know, do they? And when I say them, you mean their spouses, I think, usually. Um, so Max's is, is trust funds, and he said he was going to put it into a, a blind trust, uh, but, you know, he has multiple investments um, across multiple funds, across multiple, uh, you know, uh, companies. It's going to be in a blind trust. <clears throat> but then again, that's still a conflict of interest, in my opinion, because if you know that your net worth is based off of the economy, and even if the economy might be able to buy a trust, that you know that whatever your, your accountant's doing or whoever's managing your, your funds, that, that's just going up or down based off of your legislation, or you're dragging the feet, or you're not doing something or doing something, you're gonna be working for your interest within. Uh, exactly, when you say uh, conflict of interest or your interest, it really gets to an, an ego-centric Kind of. Um, I don't know if it's ego. I don't like that egocentric. Word. I, I think it is because again, I don't like that. I don't like that. Again, this is what we're talking about with candidates too, like uh, saying I'm, I'm not wanting an opponent, right? Not wanting an opponent. But there's what 350 million people in this country. No, because uh, maybe we're maybe we're saying the right same thing, but using different words. Ego meaning that an ego obviously is is me thinking or my idea of myself, right? The, what I'm talking about, we're talking about um, either self preservation or we're talking about. Um, you know your 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 money's um, safety, yeah, so, security, so, so food so, on your table, security. So yeah. my personal security, my 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 money is my personal security. That's not my ego, that's me protecting my personal security, my pension, my my uh, retirement, my house payments. That's not my ego. I think my 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 um, and all that and worried about me. I I do think it it is ego. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it, but. You're gonna ask a majority of, <clears throat> you're gonna be asking majority of 435 House members and 100 senators to, like you're saying, um, you know, negotiate in a way that doesn't um, hurt, or or in a way that might hurt their own interests. And I think that's very unrealistic. I, I don't think you have many people speaking out for the population. I really don't. I think you have people that. Like I was in Run for Something, right? Um, I was in Act Blue, right? Uh, we've talked about the big, uh, arguably the biggest problem in politics is is campaign finance. So for me personally, I really didn't like asking my neighbors or even my family members for their their money, right? And but I wanted to win, and you need money to win. You know what I mean? Right. So it's really really hard um, to ask them now that they're going to stop there. First of all, this, like you're saying, the negotiations on the, are we going to blow it up? Are we going to default? You know, cause that's going to have humongous, hopefully it would just be short term, but trickle down effects on the most wealthiest people with the most stocks. You know what I mean? As the stock market would crash. Oh, it's going to be, a, it's going to affect everything. I yeah. mean, one, one of the interesting criticisms of this is you, if the United States um, credit rating gets, gets downgraded, you can't have companies located in the United States with a higher credit rating than the co country that they're located in. So all those companies are also going to be downgraded as well. And I think that's just a 
very interesting statement to make. So it's like your your triple A Apple is now going to be downgraded, right? Even though they're the probably the safest bet in the world, right? Yeah, and they they're holding cash up on cash, yeah. and they're 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 a phenomenal com- company. Um, <clears throat> speaking of. <clears throat> Speaking of, you know, conflicts of interest, you know, DiFi, Diane Feinstein is still in the Senate somehow. Um, did you know who her caretaker is? I, this uh, is well, the, I know the report is they're saying that Pelosi is her caretaker. Yeah, Pelosi's daughter, Nancy Pelosi. Oh. Na- Nancy, uh, what's, her, what's her name? What's her daughter's name? Her name is Nancy, Nancy Prouder, Prouda. Oh, so Nancy Pelosi's daughter's name is Nancy as well? Well, they have a, they have a Paul Pelosi Jr. and a Nancy... As well, talk about self-interest. Talk about ego. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's it's normal for a guy to do it, and I don't know why it's not normal for for women to do that as well. But since they both did it, it makes that's me go. That's so weird. That's so oh, weird. That is, that is kind of weird, right? That's so weird. All right, it's not just me. I thought that was no. Weird that too. sounds so weird. But um, you know, that is scary. If true, I do not know that that is the truth of the matter. You know, I really don't. But I know that um members on both sides it was only like ro Khanna who was like it might have been more than ro but it was, was ro ro it came out there definitely was like, ro Khanna, bro, you need to step time. down yeah. yeah you need to get out of here so we can get these judges appointed or you know whatever, whatever other votes you need to oh he, he and the thing is he got all kind of, he got he got called misogynistic he got called um ageist he got called he's like he's like it's not about Gender. This is a 91-year-old with shingles. <laughs> exactly. With, with, with possible dementia. We haven't even had reports of that, but like, she doesn't know where she is. Yeah. She said, like, did you saw, you saw the other day she came out and there was a statement. Um, she was on the reporter. That she's, she's like, hey, the, the reporter asked her, where, where have you been? She's like, what do you mean? I've been here. here. Yeah. Like, wait, 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 wait. It, uh, are you joking with me? It, are you saying you've been voting remotely? Like, what are you Yeah, mean? what are you saying? Because we know you haven't been here. Like, what are you talking about? And so they keep just like, I don't, it's such a sad state of events because look at her, retire, go hang out at home. I don't, I don't think that there would be any physician that would look at her and know her situation and say, yeah, go to work. They'd but, be like, no, chill, go, go retire. Of course, first of all, all that in a bag of chips, of course. But, all that in a bag of chips. but secondly, secondly, <laughs> getting back to the, the, the Rokana thing. You can't, in the Dennis Kucinich thing, you can't step out of line. You can't step out of line. And this is the way that the party structure wants to do things. Like, it makes no sense. Um, I don't get it, but Pelosi has wielded power very well for her, for however she thinks she's wielding power and her stocks and all that. She's wielded power greatly for her time, you know, in charge of the Democrats. Uh, and when he said that, right, there's, he gets attacked, you know, whereas what he's saying is, Hey, y'all, and I've said this numerous times, the Democrats win because people are unhappy with the Republicans. Right. And then the Democrats let Roe lapse or, you know, don't change the criminal justice system or this or that. He's saying, Hey, we need to get some votes done. We need to get some stuff done. And he gets attacked. And so... Um, and I really think it's interesting because of the way he's attacked. I think it was like he said that it was misogynistic. Um, wasn't that what the attack ageist. was? I think it was more. I think it was more the ageist, but I don't remember what the wrote. But I just remember he's the only one. And Republicans and Democrats, like your establishment ones, Schumer and all this, they're all like, "Yeah, she's fine. She's she's back to work. We we support her and whatever she thinks she can do." Like, and it's just like. 
how can we get to this point where you have 51 or 52 Democrats, the country, uh, you know, usually votes more Dem than Republican by a slight margin, the popular vote, and the country certainly wants change, you know, and, and all you get is this cronyism, this lifetime jobs. Oh, oh that's right. Pelosi said that he's sexist because of this. That's what he said. Um, it, it just bears, that's just ridiculous. But also, he's trying to get, uh, I think it's Barbara Lee, right? Barbara Lee to take the seat. I think that is part a big part of the story, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is California we're talking about, so there's going to be numerous interests that are popping up to, to win the, her seat. And as we know from just politics in this country, let alone Cuyahoga County and Cleveland, um, the establishment likes to kind of pick their own. They like to pick their own. And... She's one of the more progressive ones, so I think you're right. I think that's a big part of this. I don't, I don't know all the details of, of the interests that are popping up to take her seat. I never, I never seen them go after a man who was sick in the Senate this way, said Pelosi, uh, pointing at, um, uh, yeah, and, and, and so it's, yeah, it's. That's kind of blind. I mean, that that's happened numerous times. I mean, that, we go after Biden every day. Republicans go after Biden every day. I mean, I think Democrats go after Biden. Yeah, I think Democrats day. go after Biden. I mean, you're just blind of what you want to see at that point. I mean, I mean, it's it just it's just making you know a, a talking point. I mean, considering, yeah. but I think that this is just very obvious that you know, in no disrespect to her, no disrespect to like the job she's done for the you know the past decades. Um, Still kind of wondering how she got two hundred million dollars, but um, yeah, that's Feinstein's got two hundred million dollars. Right? Yeah, she got yeah, not Pelosi. Yeah, no, I mean Pelosi got her own hundred two hundred mil. Yeah, I more mean, than Feinstein that. Yeah. That's like <laughs> she's, I don't. I, I've heard multiple things like anywhere from sixty mil to two hundred mil for Feinstein. And so. you make what in that job? Uh, one hundred eighty thousand a year? Or what do you what do you make in that job? It's all, yeah. Right now it's about what? Yeah, one eighty, one eighty. It makes something. no sense except for the fact that. You make the laws and you take the money from your donors and you know what I mean? Again, like, conflict of interest. Like yeah. th there is no way you can't front run if you know exactly what the hell is going to go up and down because you're making the laws on it. It's, it's, it's impossible. It's oh, kind of like, like Crenshaw the other day. He bought, he bought um, Facebook back in, he bought Facebook stock right before they started talking to TikTok to ban them. And when they were talking to TikTok to ban them, Facebook stock, stock went up again because they thought that TikTok was going to be kicked out. So Facebook jumped 50 fucking percent. Oh my God! And then and you know, Crenshaw just happened to buy right before these talks, and so it's like, come on, guys. Dude, my one come of my on. favorite Twitter accounts or whatever is that unusual whales. Unusual whales. Unusual yeah. whales, and it's just like whoever runs that account's killing it. Oh, they're just killing it. Killing and it's it. Just, and, and it's it's the antithesis of of them claiming on their campaigns or just anybody, me and you, that that says they want to get into politics to be a public servant, like public servants serve the public you know what the public is a lot of poor people like a lot of lot of people that don't make more than you know thirty thousand a year you right, know what i right. mean so you're you're signing up to be a servant of the public but now you're worth on a, on a one hundred eighty thousand dollar salary when you've been making the laws and having a hand in in crony capitalism which company is going to get a subsidy which company is not going to get a subsidy intel right here in ohio um and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're worth $200 million and you're an incumbent and you can never lose. And people are have seen through this. They're not just seeing, seeing through it now, but uh, it strikes at, you know, just like this Ohio amendment coming up, do we have any power? It doesn't seem like anybody has any power. And Ro Khanna is the only one telling, she, he's not the only one anymore, but he's the only sitting, sitting House member saying it, like all of us are saying it. Right. 
but he's the only sitting House member. Biden's not going to say it. You know, back in the old days, you might have had a president say, hey, for the sake of the party, for the sake of appointing these judges, you know, I think uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service to the public. Let somebody else cast these votes. Let somebody else cast these votes. Let's get these seats filled. So, but you don't have a president that would do that anymore either. You have Ro Khanna. That's it. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but there, and I do want to say that it's not ageism if if the people are just like still killing it, you know. Um, like Bernie Sanders, he's still sharp. I just watched the uh, Berkshire Hathaway um, annual meeting, and um, Charlie Munger, who's like almost a hundred years old, absolutely insane. Um, he's still sharp as attack, and he's he's old. He's proper, right? Right. <laughs> like he's ninety something years old. The, the most popular car when he was born was the Model T. That's how old. That's how old the guy is. Wow. You know? Wow. He was born in, what, 1933 sure. or something? So we, We've said this on another podcast. I have no problem with Bernie and Trump running. I have a problem with Biden and Feinstein running. You know what I mean? And, and it, so it's not really ageism. We deal with this in Ohio with the age of judges. In, in Ohio, you can't run to be a judge. Sorry, after, he was born in 1924. Go ahead. 1924. He's 99 years old. 99 years old. Uh, I knew my yeah, math was wrong. It's not really about ageism. Uh, also, Doyle Brunson, uh, you know, I'm an ex-professional poker player. Rest in peace. Doyle Brunson died this week. Um, the most famous poker player of all time. Okay. And he said, Sorry. he said, I've never met a poker player that ended up getting Alzheimer's. I've huh. never met. He was like, he was like uh, 89 or 90 or something like that. And he was still playing poker. He was still playing poker. And he said, in all my time, in all my decades, Never once did somebody that I played with end up with got Alzheimer's. So um, I have no problem with Trump and Bernie because they're probably smarter than me. They're probably more well-read on, well, I don't know about Trump, but that Bernie Sanders is certainly more well-read and more competent on, on issues than me. You know what I mean? So, and what's he? He's like almost 80, you know, but, but Feinstein and Biden are clearly lacking. Like, it's just clear to the eye. And if it wasn't, prove me wrong. Do a town hall like Trump did tonight. Do a town hall. If you don't mind speaking to the people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Right. Right. Should we talk about this town hall? I mean, it was already last week. Oh, I, I think it's worth it. You think we're, we're, we're looking at this real quick? Okay, yeah. so well, let's, let's just see what they, they said. This is, this is what oh, this guy is so good. This, this was actually, he killed it with this one. Hold this on. is so good. Does it bother you that he keeps talking about 2020 and not 2024? I'll ask you first. This is Jonathan Leslie. He's 40, Republican, voted for Trump twice. How do you feel about those lies? So I feel like part of it's also the media narrative as you guys asked him the first question at the town hall about the 2020 election rather than current stuff. So don't you think he could say it's time for me to start talking about 2024 not lies that aren't true? Couldn't the media ask him a question about 2024? Well, there were questions, but you're right. That was the first thing, but that's something that was on our mind. He went, he got so squirrely and tugged his tail right he, between he, the, the questions. He, 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 got, he got owned with that one. And I, I think that that was, a, that was just too smart of that guy, honestly. That, that, that guy was there. He's sitting in the right. seat. He's like, you're, you're really going to ask me this shit when you guys just did this? Yeah. Uh, this is all you are setting the agenda about. You're, set, you're setting the guy up. And then yes. It's, it's like, this is what the definition of gaslighting is. You set him up and then telling, asking him, why, why didn't he do something different? Yeah, like, exactly. Bro, I'm answering your questions. I mean, it was very elementary <laughs> on, on what I've been arguing about for a long time. CNN is a huge part of the problem. They don't want to talk about homelessness. They don't want to talk about the minimum wage. They don't want to talk about military spending in a bad way. They want to tell you. They'll tell it to you in a good way. You know, Ukraine needs this, Russia, blah, 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 blah. They, they shape the narrative. They set the agenda. 
and it's not about it's about the um, what do you call it the culture wars instead of the class wars. It's always January sixth, January sixth, January sixth. Uh, proud boys, proud boys, proud boys. You know, and it's never about why aren't a hundred right. senators voting to help the public? They keep saying they're serving the public, but people are unhappy and they need to work two jobs. Right. You know? Right. Move, yeah. let's, let's move more, more local because we're. It's, I think that we are being becoming politi politician hams in front of cameras, so we're going off a little bit long today. Um, and everybody who runs for office loves a ca good camera. Yeah, yeah. We, we have three set yeah, up over I here. I love talking and complaining, yeah. All right, so, um, but no, we're going to talk and complain more because the Cleveland Cavaliers are asking for $28 million to replace their elevators and escalators. So this, this, we have to give everybody a little bit of backstory of this. The Cleveland Browns, had just built a new stadium. It's 25 years old. It cost, what, $300 million or something? Yeah, approximately. These idiots didn't put a dome on it, didn't spend the money at, at the time. It should have always been a dome. And now they're saying, like, oh, we need to do upgrades. Our, our, we need a state-of-the-art stadium, so it's going to cost a billion dollars to, to refurbish this one. Uh, if you want to put a dome on it, it's going to cost another billion dollars. Or we could just tear it down and build a new one for $3 billion or something like that. And it's just like, that's insane. Um, the... Guardians are doing a renovation that's going to be out next year. Um, so they're going to have a new beer garden on the top floor. They were taking out the, the club seats. Not, they're the redoing the terrace club, seats. club. The terrace club's being, being redone. Um, so all high money tickets, you know, nothing for the, the plebs in the standing area. Right, just, and, and Rocket Mortgage took out 3,000 upper deck seats when they did their reno. Which was back in 2019, uh, which they asked, which we have syntax here, basically, Anything that is sin, uh, you know, alcohol, alcohol, cigarettes, tobacco, yeah. tobacco, and so on and so forth, gets taxed extra. That goes to the stadium. It was the Gateway Project. Um, they used that money for, for their renovation in 2019. And now everybody's coming back and saying, oh, we need more money to the, to the Cleveland taxpayer. Little bit of background for Cleveland, uh, whoever's watching this, that's not from Cleveland. Cleveland's top population was back in 1950 at around 950,000. We're at about three, three and a quarter now. Uh, like 360, 375. Okay, so 375, 375,000 people. Flooding people, flooding people. They're, people are leaving all, every fucking day from Cleveland. We're, we're at like a third of what our top population used to be. We have three professional sports teams within the city for only a 350, 70,000 uh, population. Our county is around, what is it, 1.2, 1.3? Mm-hmm. Over so a have, million, yeah. Okay, so we have, so we big have, county. We big have a county. big county and a big surrounding area. So we, it, it supports a lot of people coming from different counties. We'll just call it 2 million in general that's in this metropolitan area, but it's still a lot because it still sits in Cleveland, and Cleveland has a lot of that burden, right? Um, so they keep asking for money. The thing that's interesting about this renovation for the Cavaliers is in 2019, they did all the cosmetic renovations for taking out like the 3,000 uh, low ticket seats and making it better. The glass and, facing and more room on the outer concourse. So they did all of that with that money, knowing that their elevators and their escalators are going to be coming uh, to an expiration date or a date of refurbishation of ref to be refurbished uh, here in 2024. They knew this, and now they left the, the accounts with little money not to be able to do it knowing that the county is responsible for the safety of the people within these buildings and now they're pushing them to come up with the money for the elevators and escalators because it literally falls on, on the county's um safety protocols or the executive who is chris Ronane. so that's where we're at right now they're asking for 28 million even though they only have 10 in the bank account 
I mean, this is, uh, you know, billionaire welfare. This is, this is the uh, t- tried and true problem for decades. The three sports team owners, and it's bigger than them because it was. If it wasn't them, it'd be three other owners. You know, or we could uh, have two teams or yeah, one team. Jimmy or, Haslam just bought a big piece of the Milwaukee Bucks basketball team, like two hundred fifty million worth. Um, these are these are Forbes top one hundred wealthiest people. You know, who claim to care about the community. What's the Dolan's net worth? Actually, Dolan's are I don't think that that wealth. I'm not sure what their are they net the full owners of the Guardians. Not hundred percent, but majority. They're the they've actually just sold off just to this Matt Collig from Collig Racing. They just sold off a significant piece and might be phasing out. They may not be the majority owners into the future. Gotcha. Um, but nonetheless, uh, especially with um, the Cavs and the Browns, you're talking about two of the wealthiest people on the planet, and you're talking about one of the poorest municipalities in the country. You know, so like you said. It's really strategic, and, and people that spend their life's work accumulating, they're not in the business of not accumulating. Right. <laughs> and so, of course, they knowingly <clears throat> didn't uh, put those receipts in, you know, or those uh, cost charges, whatever you call it, change orders, into the plan in the 2019 one when taxpayers, you know, had no power and end up losing. Um, right. But this Browns thing and now this Cavs thing, it's just um, the direction of the state of the place. It doesn't seem to end. It's Where's uh, Progressive getting the money from? Is that a taxpayer money or is that uh, the Dolan's? It's the sin, it was the syntax and then yet another kind of uh, crony capitalism handout like like two years ago of, uh, I don't know if it was 100. It was like they so, had a So layout. the Dolan's aren't paying for any of it? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But but it's a ban- it's a the way that they carve up the pizza pie is pretty ridiculous. Um, under the guise of, you know, you're going to draw taxes from parking and entertainment and all this. The studies have been done. J.C. Bradbury is the best guy on this. Also, there's another Twitter account and, and guy. It goes under the name Field of Schemes. The, these elected officials are so scared to say no or to not show them their allegiance that they bend over backwards and they'll give them more than has even been asked for. So, because the minute that... Uh, one of these true power holders, the very wealthy, wants change, they can just throw, it's not hard to win a city council election. It's not really that hard to win a mayoral in terms of how much money and money you need. Right, right, right. You know, so when they put their hand on the scale, it'd be over for, for right. you know, so um, they, can't, they have got to negotiate on behalf of the public. But they're negotiating, self-interest, they're negotiating on behalf of not pissing off the true puppet masters, you know, and so they're going to get this 28 million, you know, I, I'd be shocked. I, I'm a betting man. They're going to get this 28 million. The Browns are about to get probably 750 million or a billion. Cause I, you know, and, um, there's going to be some that come out of the County and the state like DeWine, there's going to be some of that, but Cleveland city taxpayers cannot afford this and do not want this, but they really don't have a vote. But it's all under the guise of, well, you voted for these elected, elected officials. So it's a quandary. How do we get our negotiating power back? How do we get our tax dollars back toward parks, towards roads, you know, towards small businesses and public school? Well, I just, I don't, I don't understand, like, first of all, I don't know how we get them back. I know how we get them back. We stopped using them for different things that aren't supposed to be used for tax dollars. Like, tax dollars was never in, 
nowhere in the founding of America or the tax system was saying like, yeah, you know what, tax, tax dollars should be going toward uh, football stadiums. I don't think anybody, nobody, it, it, it's, it's absurd. It's backwards. It's absurd. No, I don't think anybody says like, yeah, you know what, take parts of my paycheck to pay for um, the Haslam Stadium. Nobody right. says that. No matter how big of a Browns fan you are, right? Nobody says that. Nobody says that, and and so it's especially since that they have that they have billions of dollars to throw around for the Bucks and you know the Browns and so on, and so on and so forth. Look, these these are not <laughs> these are not poor people. No, they're not poor people. <laughs> and so this is this is the 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 main point of my of my campaign was these handouts, these billionaire handouts, and it's not just the sports teams, right? It could be Sherwin Williams, it could be whoever are killing the public good you're sucking right people tell you this with charter schools what are charter schools doing draining money from the public schools you know so when you take money away from the roads and the recreation centers and the parks well guess what people are going to want to leave people are going to want to leave the city you know and that's what's happening that it can't they're not maintaining it well they're doing crony capitalism and uh just because you have a football team, whether you put a dome on it or not, and you maybe get WrestleMania, Super Bowl, Final Four, well, guess what? This argument was made back in the early 90s, and we've gotten two NBA All-Star Weekends, we've gotten two uh, baseball All-Star Weekends, we've gotten World Series, we've gotten NBA Finals. The city has moved towards poverty. You know, th- those... those, those uh, right pie in the sky goals of that's getting a, these uh, that's events. That's a good point. We've already got those events. We've gotten them. We have we, Cleveland Cleveland is is still a destination and and we and the people of Cleveland and obviously certain neighborhoods, most the majority of the neighborhoods, some neighborhoods are doing better than others uh, because of the influx of money there. Um, it just keeps going down. It just keeps going down. It keeps going if down. If they don't change the direction, it will keep going down. And so the direction is the way it's been. It was the learners and Art Modell before that. You know, who and, who was the the billionaire that funded their their own stadium? I think it was the, was the Rams. Uh yeah, the L.A. move. But I think that's a lot more nuanced. Again, the, the some of the authorities I like to follow are that guy J.C. Bradbury and Field of Schemes, and he did he Stan Kroenke. Kroenke, that's the guy I think that. And uh, they moved to L.A. and did that big new stadium. It's amazing, you know. And he did fund that, but I think with the strings of I need this and that real estate. So there's some real estate, and that's kind of what the Browns are doing too here. They say we want um, the lakefront. We want this real estate, so we want to maybe profit off the tailgating and uh, yeah, any tailgating or pregame and postgame right, partying. Right. We don't necessarily want Barley House to be getting your your money for your Bud Lights, you know, and, and your breakfast and your lunch. We we want to get that. So that's kind of what they did in LA as well. They're creating these venues that's like it would be like the Cavs saying, okay, and the next time that we we want any property that's around East Fourth right. and all this, you know, we want all the property as well. Right. Last thing on the agenda: a Cleveland great uh, past. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Yeah, just yesterday. Oh, that was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, this is arguably the greatest football player in history, arguably the greatest lacrosse player in history. Uh, Some people know that, some people don't. He played Uh, lacrosse? At Syracuse, he was, like, dominant. They, like, changed the rules because he was so dominant. It was, like, Steph Curry type stuff. Uh, Serious? Yes, at Syracuse, yeah. So um, he was, you know... A LeBron type figure, right? Just, just dominant, dominant, 
And, uh, but what makes his life more... Oh, no shit. Look at that. Top 10 greatest lacrosse players of all time. Is he number one? Let me see her. But he didn't... I don't know what pro lacrosse is. I don't know if they have that. Jim Brown, number two. Number two, yeah. Gary Gate. Gate? No, I'm not a lacrosse guy. I have friends that do, that did it in college. And I, stuff, I didn't but. even know that. That's that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, so he was like a super athlete uh, in the mold of Babe Ruth or LeBron. You know what I mean? And uh, he did like some other running backs have done. He retired early at the top of his career to go into acting, and then he did kind of get into activism as well. And on top of that, he had his own personal issues. He had a lot of like domestic violence um, charges. Never convicted, I don't think, but um, it's a lot of he led he led a life, a man in full, a man in full, and uh, he stood with uh, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar before Kareem's name was Kareem, and uh, Muhammad Ali uh, when you know they took the title away from Ali and he said I'm not fighting, I'm not I'm not going to war, I'm not going to the Vietnam War, I don't, I don't care if I'm, I was drafted and stuff, and uh, that's a very famous that summit was in Cleveland. Mm. Uh, and there's a very famous photo of him. I should have put that on our, our document, but I'll send it to you. Um, and so he led, uh, you know, a big time life. And yesterday they, they interrupted on most of the major news networks to say he had passed away. And uh, he had controversial relationship with Art Modell, and that's kind of what forced him to retire. But uh, he was better off, you know, fighting for fighting for the whole community than just being a running back for 15 years and not being able to walk afterwards. Uh, Jim Brown was in uh, Running Man. The uh, Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, I've never seen it. Stop. I've never seen it. You've never seen The Running Man? He's in, I'm a comedy guy. Like, he was in the Naked Gun movies. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, i never seen it. Should I, should I go watch that? Well, I mean, if, if you're not watching 80s action, like, 80s action, I think, is the... It's the golden era of action. Well, I see of the, Predator of the, and Terminator and exactly, all Exactly, Predator, yeah. Terminator. Anything that Arnold did during that time was, you know... Yeah, gold, yeah. Let's go Die Hard, you know, mm-hmm. like... Even 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 when you're a comedian, like what what he did, what was it? Um, Beverly Hills Hills Cop. Was, oh, Eddie Murphy. It was still action and funny too. Yeah, I mean, yes. it was just like it's just the yeah. pinnacle, the golden era of yeah. of action. Better than Fast and the Furious Eleven. Whatever is it? T- is, is it ten? I, I think it's ten. Yeah, I think it's ten. What are they doing? Driving on the moon this time or some kind of stupid shit? <laughs> it must be planetary. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't. I can't watch any of this stuff anymore. Yeah. But um, well, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, he was in a ton of movies. He got a, another famous picture of him with Raquel Welsh. And he said, when they asked him about retiring, he said, well, I can keep, you know, getting my brains beat out or I can go do a love scene with Raquel Welsh. <laughs> what was Arnold movie where he went to Mars? What was that called again? Oh, Mars Attacks. No, man. That, was that, he not in that? that was, stop. I don't know. Mars Attacks? I don't I don't know. I don't know film. I'm not a big film guy. Man, I can't believe I'm, um, Total Recall. Oh, he wasn't in that, was he? Arnold Schwarzenegger was not. Oh, oh, I thought we were talking about Jim Brown. Oh, no, no, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jim Brown may have been at Mars Attacks. Oh, he might have been in Mars Attacks. Yeah, that, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love Total Recall. Love okay, Total good. Recall. At least you saw that one. Total else. Recall is a great movie because it, ta- it, it shows the problem with uh, commoditizing, like, air and oxygen. And it's like, uh, that could be a you long... You need to be shown that problem, Ross? You, you said it shows the problem. Like, yeah, the, yeah, you don't need to be shown that problem. You need to be shown that problem. I Why think... you need to be shown the problem? Yeah, you don't come out to air. No, well, I'm I saying... Think it's interesting because they are doing the same thing with water. You know, yes. they're bottling water in, like, Arizona, and they, they have... Have you heard about the whole Arizona, like, um, uh, 
Dubai sort of, so they're growing, what is it, either soybeans or sorghum or something like that in Arizona, and it's using a, a crap ton of water. So it's like the only green space where in Arizona. I did hear and, about this. And so it's a Dubai company or a Saudi company or yes. something that, and they use all the water for all the basically surrounding area, and then they ship it, even though it's in a drought, and then they ship all this stuff because they can't grow it there and use the water because it's illegal, but they're able to do it here. So they bought the land, and they ship the shit back to Saudi. I did see this story, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, they're going to need to, like, legislate them out or, te- you know, you can't, your residents need their water. Again, we're commoditized. That's why That's I like Total water. Recall. Okay, yeah, okay. You know? So, yeah, okay, fair enough with that, fair enough with that. Yeah. I have no clue when these batteries are going to run on these cameras or whatever. So Fair enough. That was, that's, our, that's our conversation today. Loved it.